All right, so we're in the series. This is the second week of what God has joined together. And I told you from the beginning that the goals, we're going to talk about love, sex, dating, and, and marriage. It is an incredibly important service that my wife turned to me uh, uh, the beginning of this year back in the fall and said, Doug, you have to talk about these matters again. It's been a long time, and she thinks you're all falling apart. So um, <laughs> that's why we're doing this. And, and here's what I want you to know to the, to the core. This is not about judgment. This is not to make you feel bad. This is not to beat you up and leave you crawling on the floor as a mess. I know that all of us have made choices that we regret in our life. Choices that haven't honored God, and, and, and this is just one area that happens. If you feel that at the end of this message, it's not my intent, but if you feel that, if there's stuff in your past that you go, Doug, you just poked tender spots today, and I have deep regret, I think God would say to you, get up. Get up. You're forgiven in Christ. I mean, if, you, if you've received Christ as your Savior, the forgiveness of your sins, you're forgiven in Christ, right? Trust me, follow me. I don't... I, brush yourself off. I'm helping you to brush off and let's go live a different life. And that's the goal where we get more wisdom and more of God's life into our lives and, and, and more joy. So that's the heartbeat of it. It's going to be a five weekends of services. We're in weekend number two. March 3rd and 4th, we're going to have a panel discussion of three couples. If you would like input into that, I would love for you to write down name of a couple that you respect who actually go to Crosswinds. That's the combination we need. And um, you can do that at the welcome table. There's white business cards, a basket. Just write down the names of people. You go, these would be awesome people for the, for the panel. Also, if you have questions that you would like me to ask them, write those down. And it's great. It's anonymous. You can write anything you want. And, and then I will choose the people from the list and the questions from the list because because I'm in charge. That's why I get to do that, all right? So last week we met, and the main message that I, I, we, we talked about was says marriage isn't even relevant anymore. And the reason I asked that is because marriage has changed so much, especially in how we get married and the patterns of those kinds of things. And marriage itself has changed, and divorce rates are changing. And, and if you missed last week's message, I really want to encourage you. It, we talked about God's view of sexuality, God's plan, and, and it is so stinking important. The stakes are so high that I'm going to tell you, I, if you missed it, go back online. It is there. You can, And I want you to watch it. I don't want you to listen to it. I want you to watch it because there's visuals attached to it. Now, don't get creepy on me. There's visuals attached to it. There's some illustration kinds of things to use, okay? And and so you watch it, and, and then this week's will also be contextualized. And so I think it's that important. So marriage has changed. My daughter was here last week and afterwards she went home. And her home right now is actually living, renting from my brother, a, a room in his, his un, Uncle Steve's house. So she goes back and she said, Uncle Steve, my dad taught last week and he talked about sex, the whole message. I'm like, Molly, <laughs> I was there. We... Maybe half the message, okay? But marriage and changes in marriage. And then she said, and Uncle Steve, he talked about you. <laughs> so I had a phone call for my Uncle Steve. Or, you know, it's a, and I didn't even mention Uncle Steve other than the fact that he got married. So that's, um, she, I want you to hear the right things is kind of the point there. All right, so today, today's a message going to apply in some way to everybody. I promise you at the end you'll go, okay, I, I got something out of this. But we are specifically going to be talking about dating. And when I say technically dating, I don't mean like, oh, what's the status of a relationship? And the guy goes, well, I guess technically we're dating. No, it's not that. It's that we live in a world where when we date, it's usually technically. It involves technology. People find each other and and, and communicate. And, I mean, it is so significant. I'm going to give you one illustration. Those of you who are um, in the very beginning of dating kind of thing, you're paying attention if you're smart, I guess, I mean, I, this is what I read. When, when, when someone sends a text to you, you don't text back right away because you want to make them wait, right? And then when they write, you write them back and then they write you back, you kind of come up. That took five minutes. I have to wait 10 to respond to them. And, and the reason you do that is because you don't want to appear over anxious. So in my day, that would just be letting the, the phone ring three or four times before you answer it. You don't pick it up like you're sitting right next to it kind of moment because you don't want to appear over anxious. You, this stuff is so nuanced, only it's happening in our texting, in our communication, and how we meet each other. So dating apps are really a big part of the world. And before we do this next part, let me just go on record because I said this last week. I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome, especially for those of us who are following Jesus because there's not that many singles who go to our church. And once you've dated them all, you're going like, well, who's next? And, <laughs> and we run out of them. So how do you meet other 
Christian singles in, in, in Rochester, Minnesota, or Minneapolis, or wherever, you know, Africa, you, you get on a dating app, and it's pretty cool because there's an algorithm that connects you to people with like values, like, con- you know, that you're alike, and so it's matchmaker time, which is, that's awesome. Don't just marry the first one that comes, you know, don't like everybody, but figure it out. Right, so I think it's great, but I'm gonna have a little fun with it. So let's just start with um, see how much you actually know. So you can you can cheat with a partner if you got some friends. I want those are all icons for dating sites. So on your marker set, see if you can name all six with your friends. Go, just between the two of you. No. Okay, time's up. All right, here we go. We don't have a lot of time. We got a lot to do and little time. All right, what's the first one? The flames. You shouldn't even know that. All right, that's Tinder. Right. It can be used. All these can be used for bad purposes and good purposes. What's the next one? The gold one next to it. Bumble. Woohoo! Oh, you winked at me. That was good. I'm married. And <laughs> what's the next one? Do you know it? Okay. Okay, we'll come back to that one. How about the next one? No. Nope. <laughs> Do you know it? Okay, bagel, bake, we'll, we'll get to it. Bagel's coffee. The next, here they all are. Match.com, eHarmony, League. So there they all are. And what I came away with is they have run out of good names, is what I'm thinking when, they, when I look at that. Those are six of hundreds, hundreds of dating apps that are out there. So let me just introduce you a little closer look. We'll go through this as quickly as we can because I want you to... Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Remember those of you people who are single who are using these dating apps that I think it's smart. I think it's good. I think good can come... It's just technology. It's not moral or immoral, okay? How you use it is what matters. But that doesn't stop me from laughing at you or the app. So we're going to take a moment, just kind of look at it and go, here's what's going on. Some of us are so out of this. I mean, how many of you knew none of them? You knew none of them, right? You're right, and those same people are all married and old. So, um, so this is Coffee Meets Bagel, right? And here's this absolutely from their website, everything that you're going to read here. So guys make, by the way, you'll notice that the pictures they put up, and this is smart, they're all young and beautiful. And most of them are outdoors, right? Because those are the kind of people you want to marry. They, they're not couch potatoes by the picture. When you actually know them, the couch is involved. All right, guys. Guys make the first move. Ladies make the final choice. Women choose from men who have already liked them. And I'm thinking, what's changed? Nothing. All right? That's, dating's always been like that. And here's the description. We, we, bagels to coffee, totally get it. You're tired of wasting time endlessly swiping, browsing, and messaging only to never hear back. Right? In the old days, you're tired of waiting for the phone to ring. Right? You only want you only want to spend time on relevant, high-quality matches. Every day at noon, you'll receive potential matches. We call them bagels. Why? Because Bozo's was already taken, I guess. <laughs> we call them bagels. Pre-selected for you so you won't have to swipe all day. Does anybody... Don't raise your hand. Swipe all day? I mean, okay. Our holy algorithm takes into consideration both basic criteria like age, height, religion, ethnicity, and more nuanced factors like your social networks and interests. Now, you see that last part there? Nuanced factors like your social network and interests, that means they're going to spy on your, on your, on your web pages. On your, on, you know, they're going to find out who you are and include that into their site. Fellas, you will receive, a highly, curated, you will receive highly curated matches. I look up the word curated. I can't imagine why that word should be in front of... The, it, it doesn't seem like it... It doesn't fit. It doesn't mean what they think it means. I don't think that word think means what they think it means. All right, so highly curated matches, pre-selected for you by our holy algorithm. For ladies, you will only be sent bagels <laughs> that have already expressed interest and are serious about connecting with you, right? They're reducing the risk factor for women so you'll actually swipe the right direction. Why? Because we know your time, ladies, is extra precious. That's the exact response I was hoping to get. <laughs> right? Once there is a match, we'll connect you via private chat room and provide icebreaker questions because we know you have no social skills of your own to, to get your conversation started. Okay, just in truth and advertising, I could have used some of those icebreakers, you know, like on a first date. And okay, what else do we have to talk about, right? Kind of a moment. So it's not, I just mean to be funny, not mean, but I'm mean by nature. Uh, get your conversation started. 
We even follow up to encourage actual date. You could get an actual date. Look at you're like this. Yes. All right. So that's that's coffee to to bagels, right? All right. So here's another one, and this is the last one I'm going to show you. It's called the League. It's called Date Intelligently. So this is for the elitists in the room. All right. There are 80,000 people waiting to be approved to be a part of this website, this, this service. Why? Because they only take people who are highly intelligent, highly prosperous, and have great jobs. I mean, it is an elitist website. So I'll just show you their advertising page. Are you in? We do the scouting and vetting, and you do the matching and the petting. Well, they want to establish a high bar right away, <laughs> right? Now, and then they, we see a picture of Connor, who, by the way, happens to be young and attractive, right? So I want to get to know Connor because he's there. So Connor, is education, Harvard Law School, University of California, Berkeley. He's the head of operations at Google. No, he's not, all right? He likes kayaking, live music, old films, and taking walks in the rain on the beach. All right, so... That's the kind of person you're going to meet. What are they doing? It's, it's all about money. It's all about getting people. Now, is the mission good? Absolutely. In fact, I listened to one of the people who's a founder of this deal, and they, you know, one of the, and they go, I got into this because I thought we could change the world and bring people together and make it a more loving place. And I found out some realities, which I'm going to talk to you about in a minute. Um, that's what this person, person said. But her ideals for doing it are, are awesome. Now, the reason I bring all that up is because and I'm going to sound a little bit paternal today. That's fine, because I'm going to give in a paternal-like fashion this message. Um, this is the world my kids are growing up in. My, my kids are both single, right? And, and so when I think of, let's say, Molly, right? I go, this is the world she's in. And there's advantages and disadvantages. And when it comes to, to dating in this world, this technically dating, there's some things that I want my kids to know. And it happens that if I share them with you, they're good things for you to know. And they're good things. So if you're single, that's obvious. If you're young and, and you know, coming, you're not quite at the dating age yet, this is really good for you to hear today. If you're a parent or a grandparent or a great-grandparent and you have to talk to kids about this kind of stuff, it's, it's really good. I'm going to tell you by the time we get to the end, those of us who are married are going to go, oh, this has implications for how I do my marriage and how I view my spouse as well. So it's going to be something for all of us. But I'm going to tell you things that I want my kids to know as they live in this technological dating wonderland, right? So, so the first thing I'm going to want, you know, hey, Molly, I want you to know, and probably Molly more than Jeremy on this one, dating can be creepy. By the way, it always can be creepy, right? I mean, it doesn't matter when you grew up. Dating always had the potential to be creepy. It is even more so today. So that woman I talked about who's the head of that dating service uh, technology, you know, this, this app thing, um, they have not, not thousands of people involved in it, not, not hundreds of thousands. They have millions of customers. Millions of, this is really big money. This is a lot of data points. And one of the things that she talked about was um, who likes who, right? So, so she put up this graph, which I screen caught, and, um, and on the bottom you see the men's age and you see the women's age. And then the same age is kind of lined down the middle. And what this graph represents is, is so the reds and, the, and anywhere it's white represent very, very few likes, right? That's what a, someone asked me last night, what's a swipe? Well, I, I've never done it, but I think it means you like someone or you are interested in connecting with them. Am I right? Okay, because I think you're an expert at this. Um, <laughs> you, you seem to know them all. All right, so, uh, so that's what that is. The green are heavily swiped, heavily liked, right? So... This represents uh, men's responses to women. In other words, m women that men like by age, right? So, so here's what you'll notice. Let's just start at the beginning. If they're both in this end, they, they like and they stay in kind of their own camp of ages, right? 21-year-old men are looking for 21-year-old women, basically, right? As they get older, there's more greens farther away from the age that the man is at a lower age for the women. So when you get way up here, the older men from here, here, they're not liking very many women their age or, or, or older. They're down here. And if you want to get 
just a little bit weird about it. You go, this age group here is liking people in these women twenty mid-20s. So guys in their late 30s and 40s are hitting on the women in their 20s. And she said, this is kind of what we expected. This is men like younger women, right? What a surprise. So then they added something to their graph. They called it the threshold of creepiness. <laughs> Right? Genius. Genius. And I want, if my daughter is going to go on these sites, I want her to know, if she doesn't know already, how creepy men really are. Um, I want her to know that it's, it's not safe. I want her to know she needs to pay attention. That just because someone likes her doesn't mean she has to like them, them back, which is human nature, by the way. We like people who like us. So it's the same thing here. So I would say, hey, kids, it's, it's a great tool Safety first. And I'm not going to, I had, I, we don't have time for it. I had five points of things to do to stay safe. I've, I've, I've learned them. You need to go on the internet. If you're going to do this, you need to Google um, safety dating internet. Put those three key words together and you're going to see articles written about things that you should do. Background check is one of them. Never let that person walk you home. Call a friend. Give them the person that you're dating, that you're going to go on this date with, their phone number so the police can find them when they, he steals you. Um, that kind of <laughs> And I'm not meaning to freak you out. It's very, very rare, but it's a very, very real. Just because it's rare doesn't mean it's not real. Right? So you have to kind of be heads up. All right, now we're going to go into another part of the message. That's the Internet safety public service announcement that I wanted to do. So let me just kind of go to the, to the whole dating thing for a moment. I want to ask you a question. What's the difference between uh, a toothbrush and a wedding ring? Right? I know you can think of all kinds of things, so let me just tell you my answer. Everybody needs a toothbrush. That's the difference. Everybody does not need, should have a wedding ring. And, and I'm not being mean. I'm actually being the opposite. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, come on, being single is not a disease. It's okay not to be married. Being single is not being second, second class, second order, second in importance. It doesn't mean you're a lower class citizen. Being single. By the way, can we just do? Can we? Can we do this? Singles, just give me a sense that you're here in the in, in the room. If you're single, okay. All right, good. Glad you're here. Um, I don't want you to feel second class. You really matter here. And it's not just me who says that. It's scripture that says that. In fact, uh, Paul talked about it. He was writing the Church of Corinth, a very sexualized community, highly sexualized community, um, the Corinthian church. So here's here's what it says. He says now regarding the questions you asked in your letter. So someone wrote him a letter and asked him questions. And he starts with this. Yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. Which means someone asked, is it good to abstain from sexual relations? Right? And I'm thinking, who would ask that? You know, it's not a question I'm going to ask. Um, but he goes on and he says, yeah, it's, it's good to abstain. But because there's so much sexual immorality, we live in Corinth, come on. Each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. It's sort of like we live in Vegas you need to stick with your spouse, right? The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's sexual needs. He's saying, hey, this is a monogamous relationship, high fidelity, meet each other's sexual uh, interests and needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband and the body, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. It's mutual submission. Is my body still my body? Yeah, but it, it belongs to my wife. And is her body still her body? Of course, but she belongs, she gives herself to me, right? And, and, and only me. So do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can yourselves, so you can give yourself more completely to prayer, right? This is why women pray long and men say amen as soon as they can. <laughs> Time's up, you know, <laughs> right? So it's just, what he's saying is, hey, if, if it's for a holy cause, that's fine. That's fine. But don't deprive each other. Don't hurt your marriage. Be together. And, and afterwards, after that time, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Right? And what is he saying? We're all sexual people. You know? And if you can't control yourself, one husband, one wife, get married is kind of the approach. I say this as a concession not as a command. You don't have to do this. You don't have to get married. But I wish, this is Paul, I wish everyone 
were single. By the way, it's in the Bible. I wish everyone were single, just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God. Some have the gift of marriage. Your spouse is a gift to you. Some of us have the gift of being single. We each have a gift from God of one kind or another. So I say to those who aren't married and to widows and to divorce, whoever it is, not married, it is better to stay unmarried, just as I am. Right? That's something Paul says, but our culture doesn't say. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. Uh, it is better to marry than to burn with lust. And Lori and I put that on our wedding invitations. We thought <laughs> that was, you know, well, good good wedding verses are hard to find, you know. Okay, we didn't. We didn't. I was outvoted. Um, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. We could have. And if you're, by the way, if you're engaged right now and you couldn't put that on your, something might not, you may not want to get married. Something might be wrong, right? That, that, this temptation, this, this challenge is part of, I found them. And it's normal and healthy to be a sexual person. That's, that's fine. But what he's saying is, you know, hey, I wish you could be single. And nothing's wrong with being single. But if you can, if you can, better to get married. Do it, do it better to honor God is what he's, what he's saying. But here's what I want you to catch out of it for our purposes. Being single is not being second. I want my kids to know that. I really do. I want them to know that you can be complete and single simultaneously. Right? You can have a full life as a single. You're not, you're not incomplete. You can be a full life person. And in first service, there was someone in the room with, like 25, 26 years old, and she said, you know what? It's, you should tell all my friends that. You should tell all my friends that I can be single and be, and I go, okay. I, I, I get it. You can serve God fully as a single person. And here's the big one for all of us. You should not be pitied because you're single. If you're single, I do not feel sorry for you. I don't. There's some incredible advantages to being single. You can do what you want when you want to do it. You never have to have a budget meeting. <laughs> right? I mean, if you're in control. You're, if you're, you, your time is your time. You're think, you can be fully devoted to God without worrying about all those other things. You can be focused. There's tremendous advantages. To, and there's tremendous advantages to being married. There's no question about that. Right? You've got someone to tell you every night you're not crazy or to tell you you are crazy every single night when you, when you go home. But... I don't feel sorry for you because you're single. And more than that, I don't want you to feel sorry for you. Why is that such a big deal? It's because I don't want you to feel second. It's because I don't want Molly going onto a website looking for a a date out of desperation. I want her to date with confidence and fullness of who she is, who God has called her to be, that she's not second class, that she does not need this to complete her. Or fulfill her. Because if she dates out of desperation, if you date out of desperation, if you're single and desperate, you will make really bad decisions out of desperation. But if you're single and complete and you start dating, you have an opportunity to make really good decisions out of fullness that God has given you. Because you know who you are in Christ. And because single is not a disease and it's not a state of, of less than. Now here, singles, I do want you to know this though. You still need relationships where you're loved, where you're known, and then include commitment. Not not commitment like until death do us part. I'm not talking about you need a marriage thing, a fake marriage or something. I'm saying you need family. You need deep friendships. You need people who will look at you and go, I am your friend and I'm with you. You need families to come around you and to say, you know, you're single and you're living far away from home. Can we just adopt you? Can we kind of informally just say you're part of us? And when we hit Thanksgiving and Christmas and when we game night on Friday night, and we, can, can we invite you and we just know that? Can you invite yourself because we want you to feel that comfortable with us? By the way, that's, that's my dream for every single at Crosswinds. I, my hope is that we're a community with that kind of commitment and love because everybody needs that. Everybody does not need a husband or a wife. But everybody needs relationships where you're loved, where you're known, and where there's a level of commitment and, and, and care. You're, you're supposed to get that from your families, but, but we're so mobile. And our, as we grow older, we need some separation from our families sometime, right? We need, we need other relationships. 
That's what I think church is supposed to be, some of that to it. So, so there's some challenge in there, by the way, for those of us who are living in a little, you know, privatized couple, family lives, and we don't even know singles, let alone have any kind of commitment relationally with them. We've got to take that through a little bit. And by the way, this is why small groups are such a big deal. We want people in small groups because that's a place where those relationships build. All right, so that would be the first thing I would tell my kids. I want you to know that you do not need a wedding ring. You do need a toothbrush, but not a wedding ring, right? Second thing I'd want them to know is when you start dating, dating is a search. It is always a search, I'm going to argue. It's a search for intimacy, connection, and commitment, right? That should sound a lot like it's a search for love to be known and for commitment because it's kind of the same thing. Right? It's, it's intimacy to be known, connection, real relationship, and commitment that we're not just floating. Everybody needs those things. And when we're dating, we're looking for that in each other. If you ask young people, I told, said this last week, if you ask them, what, why do you date? What are you looking for if, you know, in the future marriage kind of thing? And they go, I'm looking to find my soulmate. Right? And I, I kind of said out loud that I've got some issues with that. So let me just talk about those issues for a moment with you, and I'll feel better at the end of the day. Um, so that, let me just kind of go this way. So when you say you're searching for your soulmate, it sounds to me like a treasure hunt, right? That, and by the way, this is what we write about in fairy tales, you know, when prince, the prince meets the princess, and they live what? Absolutely, right? So they meet the princess. They looked for the princess. They went to all the different castles looking for the princess. They found the princess, they married the princess, and they lived happily ever after, right? In a treasure hunt. Doesn't that sound like a treasure hunt, by the way? In a treasure hunt, what happens? You look for the treasure, you find the treasure, and what do you do after that? Live happily ever after, because you're rich. Who wouldn't be happy? You just sit back on your laurels and, you know, more kind of life, right? So, so where's the work in a treasure hunt? Is it before the treasure or after the treasure? It's all before. It's hunting, it's looking, it's searching. That's where all the work is. Then you find your treasure, and then you live happily ever after. You look for that other person, that princess, that prince. You find them, your soulmate, and then you live happily ever after. And that's not how it works in relationships. How it works in relationship is you work to search. You find someone who has the potential to be your soulmate. You make a commitment to live as soulmates and to develop your relationship for the rest of your life as a soulmate and you live working happily ever after. But you're working. And it's not always happily ever after. So what you're looking for is someone compatible to build a life with and you're committed to becoming and living as soulmates. But it's not automatic. If you have the other view, that oh, the treasure, then once you see the, the other layer of them, another layer of them, or things start to go south, suddenly it's not so happily or ever after, and you go, well, maybe she or he is not my soulmate. Maybe I found the wrong treasure. It wasn't as valuable as I thought it was. And all of a sudden, the person at work starts to fill some of the holes that you're experiencing. Oh, they're my soulmate. And you repeat and offend. And, and this is... This is one of the patterns we have in, in, in our culture. So we're not looking for our soulmate. We're looking for someone who could be. Uh, we feel soulmate thing. By the way, it's very hard because in dating, when you meet someone, it's, it's all biological and chemical. You get very excited about this. I found this person. They're wonderful, right? Because all these pleasure things are going off in your brain, right? And, and we call it puppy love in some places, this initial excitement. And, and I just got to tell you the truth. Every marriage except for mine, you won't stay in that state of euphoric. I'm the exception, right? You'll come down to earth. And, and, and so, so I found my soulmate. No, it, it's going to be work. And, and, and then afterwards, it's, it's going to be work. Soulmates is a commitment, not a treasure hunt. It's a commitment, not a treasure hunt. By the way, those of you who are married, do you get it? Do you get it? The person you're married to is the right person? Because you said I do. And now you've got to figure out how do we live being soulmates and how do we honor each other as soulmates and how do we move forward as, as soulmates and why can't we be single? Those are the things you have to live with because it is a lot of work sometimes, right? So dating is a search. I want my kids to know that. I want them to feel complete in being single and then I want them to realize that when they're dating, they're actually searching. Why do you call it a search, Doug? Well, because the Bible kind of does. Proverbs 31. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Women, all the women, breathe, blow out, right? I'm not going to lay Proverbs 31 guilt on you. 
You're, you're going to be okay. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go read Proverbs 31, the whole thing. Here's how it starts, and the whole point of it is, is this. Solomon's writing to his son, and he says, who can find a virtuous and capable wife? This is what you should be looking for, someone who's virtuous and someone who's capable, someone you might be their soulmate. She's more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her. That's awesome. She would greatly enrich his life, not just financially, but in every single way. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. And what he's doing is saying, man, marriage is, is wonderful. He wants his kids to know that. It's awesome. But did you see that? Who can find? There's a search involved. And, and my thing is, I think the idea of that passage is when you start the search, be very, very picky. Be, be picky. Right? And, and scripture goes on with this. Proverbs is, is full of this kind of stuff. It says, Fathers can give their sons an inheritance of houses and wealth, but only the Lord can give an understanding wife. You want to find someone who can be understanding with you. Right? That's the kind of person you want to find. Now, I gotta come, I'm going to show you three more verses. These were written from Solomon to, to, to males. So they're all written with the woman as the victim. I couldn't stand that, so I changed them. Okay, so because I think if it was written today, the women would not be the only victims. So here's how Lori had me rewrite this one. Um, <laughs> a crabby, quarrelsome husband is as annoying as constant dripping on a rainy day. <laughs> right, so this week, Lori turns to me and she goes, man, you're crabby. I go, so what? Right, I mean, <laughs> you know, quit asking me stuff, right? Kind of, like, I was crabby, I'm sorry, and I, I don't want to be, but she... That verse kind of reminds you, hey, crabby husband is as annoying, constant dripping in a rainy, rainy day. It's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a whining, quarrelsome wife in a lovely home, right? So what is he saying? You can have a beautiful home, but if things aren't going well and she's whining or quarrelsome, you should just go to the guest room, right, and just call it a day. Um, It is better to live alone in the desert out in the wilderness where it's dangerous than with a complaining husband, right? I just rewrote him. So... So he's saying, be careful, be picky. You don't want to marry a whining, crabby, complaining, quarrelsome person. You want to marry somebody who's got character, not just someone who's hot, right? And this is, this is not someone who just has a lot of money, not someone who would, you know, the league isn't going to do it for you. You've got to go farther than that because marriage is about mutual submission, sacrifice, respect. It's work. It's not a treasure hunt when you find it in ever, happily ever after. Afterwards, there's all these things. So choose carefully and remember that pickiness doesn't begin with who am I going to get engaged to. It begins with who I'm going to date. Pickiness begins at the dating level. Why is that? Well, because if you go on a first date, what's the question after the first date? Will there be a second one? Right. And then after the second one, will there be a third one? And now that we've had three, what's the status of our relationship, right? It's, like, guys are going, well, will there be a fourth? Women are going, are we, are we, are we dating, right? And those are the kinds of things that go, what's our status? Um, so pickiness begins with dating. Uh, well, let me just do one little social experiment with you. If you're married, raise your hand and keep it high. Raise your hand, keep it high. If you dated the person you married before you married them, keep your hand up. Not a single hand went down. Put your hands down. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> we marry people we date. Out of the people that you date, you'll probably marry one if you get married. The only exception to that is if you have friends who put you together and say, surprise, it's a wedding. You know, and <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Bob. You know, it's, a, <laughs> it's always Bob. Um, so pickiness begins with dating. Don't, this is harsh, don't, as soon as you know someone you're dating is not someone you can marry, stop dating them. Why? Because we marry people we date. We fall in love with people that we date. We can't let them go. We, we, it's more like fishing, right? When I catch a fish, I measure it. If it doesn't measure up, what do I do? I put it back in the water. And I go, I hope you live. <laughs> Swim away, little fish. Right? But when I get a good quality fish, I go, and with the fish I'm catching, where I, it's like a limit of one walleye, I go, that's, that's, that's it. That is the fish. I'm keep, this is a keeper. This is a keeper. I want you to treat dating like that. As soon as you measure them up and you go, I know I can't marry this person, 
They're not in that pond. I don't care how old you are, by the way. I know that's harsh. I don't care how old you are because 10th graders fall in love. Right? Put it back in the water. As soon as you know. We're going to talk about the criteria for that because there's some criteria that you have to think through. Who would you marry should determine who you'll continue to date. Date is searching for someone that you would marry. That's the, the point of it. And I, I'll get to the pushback. So don't, I know you're thinking some thoughts. Just put it on hold. We'll get, we'll get to that. We marry someone we date. So here's what scripture says. Paul's writing into that highly sexualized culture of Corinth. In chapter 6, he says this, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Is that about marriage? It's about marriage and more. Okay? Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. For what, what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? He's saying, what do people who, God is their number one concern. They're worshiping God, following God, looking to God, want God's leadership in their lives. What does that have in common with people who don't have that? Right? He says it many, many different ways. Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Same thing. What harmony is there between Christ and Belial, which is the name of a demon, or we just say the devil? And the answer is none. Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? That's his point. We're on two different tracks looking the world completely different. By the way, if you're an unbeliever, you're going, I'm just checking out this God stuff. Boy, you guys sound elitist. Yes, we are. We're sorry. When it comes to who we marry, we're, we're picky. And, and, and we need to be picky. And we'll talk about that just a moment more. But, but I, we don't mean to be insulting about that. It's not about insult. It's about life direction and purpose. This is so core to followers of Christ. That, that Paul says, be really careful with that because don't fall in love with an unbeliever. You'll end up marrying them. And, and my office has been filled over the years with different people in that exact place. Some of you are in that exact place. What agreement is there between the temple of God and the temple of idols? So you, followers of Jesus, you are temples of God. Your body, your life is about worshiping God. Everybody worships something. If it's not God, they're a temple to something else. The Bible calls that idolatry. So if you're the temple of God and the person you're marrying isn't a temple of God, then they're a temple of idolatry. Don't be yoked with them. Right? And, and so we know that we marry someone we date, so that should influence who we date. We've got to be picky. Right? Now, here's the pushback I promised you. Because I can imagine my kids saying this, Dad, you're so serious about this. I'm just dating for fun. And I, you know my answer to that is? Don't call it dating. Don't call it dating if you're dating for fun. Call it, we're going to go out and get a hamburger and talk. Call it, we're going to go bowling. Call it a group thing, please, right? I mean, the more people, the better. Because you shouldn't care because you're not dating. It doesn't have to be the two of you. You know, well, we're just having fun, but we're having fun exclusively with just each other. <laughs> okay, that's dating. <laughs> and I heard that this morning from a parent. So that's real stuff, right? So dating, I want my kids to know. I want you to know. I want all of us to know. Dating is a search. It's always a search for, for intimacy, for commitment, for connectedness, for love, right? So as soon as you know, when you're dating, as soon as you know this is not a person you can marry, stop Take the little fishy, release them to swim in other waters, get bigger, come back later, right? Kind of, kind of a moment. That's, that's what I want you to do. Unequally yoked, just so we're on the same page. It's not about eggs. It's about cows. It's about plowing a field. If you have two animals that are different leg lengths, and that's not advice for dating, but different leg lengths, <laughs> right? They'll, they'll be unequally yoked, and they'll, they'll do a circle crop when you're done. They won't have nice straight lines. It'll be incursive. You don't want that. You want nice straight lines for because for, for, you can pull twice as much weight. Right? So I'm just going to give you a quick list. These are things that I want you to be equally yoked in. Here's what most pastors do, most Christians do. They go, you want to marry a Christian. You want to marry a Christian. No, you want to date Christians. And by the way, just because they say they're a Christian doesn't mean it's equal. Right? There's lots of people who go, it's easy to find a guy. I'm a Christian. Right? So, so let me just give you more than just, it's not just about being a Christian. It's about more than that. So being equally yoked, same speed, same page. About spirituality, about together intellectually, that you, you feed each other intellectually. Most people ignore that when they're dating. Right? Financially, that you're, not that you make the same amount of money, but you have the same values. About, about money, that relationally where you're going, what commitment means, what it looks like. Socially, if you're, if you're a, a highly extroverted person and you marry a high introvert, 
you at least have to understand that you're going to have tension. Right? But better for you to be a little closer in your social mix for that kind of thing, I think. I think it's easier. Purpose and goals, what your life is really about. Right? Communication. Conflict resolution. You have to be equally committed and, and skilled and the value of these things are really important. You need to talk about how many children do you want to have? I want to have 14. Okay. Go back to the water. <laughs> right? It's how we raise our children, our values. By the way, you want to know what we talk about in premarital counseling? That's the list. And when people go, well, do you really think we need premarital counseling? That's the list. Yes. Every couple needs it. Just for, just for a checkpoint, it, it's not out to change you. It's out to enhance it. So here's my way of saying, so if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, here's the one thing I'll put down in, in cold terms for you. The person that you're thinking about marrying, you need to ask this question. Do they help you run harder, faster, farther in your relationship with God? Or do you have to drag them? Do they help you? Are you co-runners with Christ? Are you urging each other on in the race? Or is one person being dragged by the other one? Right? It Be equally yoked. Now, if you're in a marriage, by the way, where you're not, my, my wife is an unbeliever, I'm an unbeliever, however that happens, Scripture's crystal clear, I'm not going to show you the verses, it's crystal clear about this. You do not abandon them, you do not leave them. It's not if you're unequally yoked, walk away. The, the time to throw back the fish is when you're dating. Once you're married, you brought them home, they're in the refrigerator. You're with them now forever. <laughs> All right? So as soon as you know that doesn't work, stop. All right, one last thing I want my kids to know is that how they see themselves, and I'm being candidly, I've talked to my kids about this. How you see yourself will determine more than you can imagine. And I want to use some visuals with this. So what's this? It's a little cup, right? Good. <laughs> You're familiar with this. That's good. Um, what does it symbolize? What does it mean? What do you put in here? Beer, someone said. They were, last night, milk. <laughs> no, come on. <laughs> right, beer. It represents a good time, a party. It's not evil. It's just a cup, right? But, but when you're done with this cup, right, when you're all done with it, what are you going to do? You're going to throw it away. It's garbage. It's disposable, right? And, and so you go from one cup, and then, you know, if you got the supplies, you got a brand new cup. Now, if you look at yourself like this, I promise you, you're going to see everybody else as a solo cup. And you're going to treat everybody else and yourself in ways that are harmful to you as if you are disposable. This illustration came from a dad I talked with this week who took his kids um, when they were about 13 years old and sat them down and talked about this exact conversation. And he used a styrofoam cup, but the message is the same. He said, you are not disposable. I want you to know that because he was talking about this whole future coming up. You are not disposable. Neither is anybody else. Everybody's valuable. You are not disposable. Now, what's this one? Come on. Good. You got to play or else we can't do this. All right. It's a coffee cup. I've got all kinds of these and we got a whole shelf of these things. They end up dirty by the sink, stacked up sometimes, right? And then we got to wash them. You know what I do when I, I put them in the dishwasher, right? I don't put that in the dishwasher. I put that into the garbage. But I put these in the dishwasher and I, and I, and I reuse them. They clean up. But you know what the truth is? Not that attractive and pretty common. Very replaceable. Right? If it breaks, if it falls, it's not the end of the world. We'll have a slight heated moment in our marriage. We'll recover from that, sweep it up, throw it away, and someone will buy a new, new coffee mug. Many of us see ourselves like this. And if you see yourself as common, you're going to see everybody else as common. If you see yourself as, well, I'm more than that, but I'm, I'm here... I just want you to know this isn't terrible, but it's not how God sees you. It's not near how God sees you. This father I talked to, he said, I would take out a piece of crystal. And I said, he would say to his kids, I want you to know that I'm your dad. When I look at you, I see this. You are valuable. You are crystal. This crystal, by the way, 
got to be careful because this crystal was Lori's grandmother's. And it's valuable and rare. It's kind of hard to replace something that belonged to grandma, right? Someone said to me, how did you get permission? No, I got forgiveness to use it up here today. <laughs> right? And, and it's beautiful and it's valuable. And so after we use it, which how often do we use it? Rarely, because it's special. And after we use it, I put it in the dishwasher, and my wife yells. She yells. That's all you need to know. Um, You know how much trouble I'm in, by the way? Anyway, so, no, we wash this by hand. We we baby it. We dry it. We we don't even let it air dry because that would be wrong. And I've learned these things. And so we put it back into its special cabinet, which is hidden from public view so that you don't know where to steal it from, Right? And the Bible, the Bible says, that's just that dad. That's how God views us. And, and so if you turn in your Bibles, you can read it when you get home. But if you open up the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 10, here's what it says. We, this is like a life verse almost. For we are God's masterpiece. What does that mean? We're crystal. We're art. We're valuable. And he's created us anew. He's recreated us. He's renewed us. In Christ Jesus, he's brought us back to his relationship with him because we're so valuable so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. We are art with a purpose. And this has a purpose. Do you know why we're so valuable and so beautiful and so important? It's because when God created us, we talked about this last week, when he created us, he created us in the image of God. This is the piece that goes with that piece right? And it's, it's bigger and it holds life. And God says, when you're connected with me, I'm going to fill you up. And I'm going to change your life. You can fill up on your own over and over and over again. But you'll never feel full. You'll never be complete. You'll never become the person you were meant to be. And you will treat other people the way that you see yourself. And it happens all the time that way, and it has huge implications. But if you see yourself as crystal, it means everyone else becomes more valuable. They're made in the image of God. They're to be treated respectfully. Guys, do you hear this? This is dating instructions. They're treated respectfully. They're for special. Women are people created for special purposes. Women treat men respectfully. They're they're crystal, and they're much more fragile than, than we let you know we are. We don't use each other. Now, last week, we talked about sex and sexuality. And we said that, that a picture of our sex life, is a, it's a beautiful thing, but it's fragile. And that God gives it to each, each one of us. And what I want you to know right now, that do you understand that how you see yourself, your sex life will be lived out in that context? Is it disposable? And you just go get another one? Is it something that's just just common and ordinary? Or is it something that's worthy of crystal? Valuable. You can't help but live out your life according to how you see yourself. What I'm hoping is that you'll see yourself as God sees you, as a masterpiece, as crystal. Jesus said that the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. What does that mean? He wants to treat you like a Dixie solo cup. Use it. Throw it away. Crush it. He wants to treat you as disposable. But Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. He wants to fill us up. He told his disciples in John 17, I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. I want my kids to know that. I want you to know that. I want you to know it because it will change your life. I want you to know it because it will fill you up. I want you to know it because it will change your marriage. I want you to know it because I hope it informs your dating life and prepares you for, for the life that God wants you to have. And I want you to know it if you're single that you can be filled and you don't need a husband for it. You need a God for it. How you see yourself will determine more than you can imagine. 
So I want to be informed by God who I am and what I'm for and how to live and how to live wisely and how to do my marriage and how to do dating and how to live single and full. Because I want my kids to know these things. I want my kids to know that they don't need a wedding ring. They do need a toothbrush. I want them knowing that being single is not second class and there's no need to pity people who are, who are single. It's insulting to pity people like that. Dating is a search, not a destination. And we're searching for intimacy, connection, and commitment because we're all made for it. I want my kids to know that they should be picky when they're dating. It's a serious business to be involved in this whole dating thing because we will marry someone we date. I want my kids to find an equal partner if they choose to marry. Someone that they commit together with to be soulmates. And I want them to, to let the fish go as soon as possible. And probably every man Molly meets, I'll say, is a fish. Let him go, let him go. Because <laughs> nobody measures up. But that's her business, not mine, right? And I want all of them to know, and I want you to know, and I want to learn to live that we are masterpieces. We are crystal in the eyes of God. Let's pray. God, I don't have a big prayer here. I just basically say this, that help me live up to my design. Help me embrace who I really am in in you. Help me receive and connect to you so that I can be full, honoring to you, and that I can see people and love people the way you do. And God, would would you bless our singles? Would you help them know that they are full and complete in you? Would you bless the people who are, who are married and help them to work together as soulmates? And God, help us to live as a church that reflects because we're crystal, your light to the world. In Christ's name, amen.